Mold is all the talk in the integrative health space right now as more and more people are finally starting to talk about it. Known as a stealth pathogen, it's possible mold could be behind some of your symptoms. In this episode, I brought on guest expert Sydney Arkfeld to help us understand mold and how it can affect our health. Welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. I'm your host, Cassandra Wilder, and I'm a naturopathic doctor and the leading expert in women's cyclical health and menstruation. Let's get started. Hey, gorgeous friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I have been on the hunt for many, many moons to find an expert to bring onto the podcast to talk about mold, and I finally found her. She was on TikTok, <laughs> and her video came across my feed one day, and I thought, this is who I want to talk to. Not only has she lived through mold illness personally, but she has really taken it upon herself to talk about mold and help people understand how mold illness works, where it can hide, and how it can affect your body. So this episode is amazing, super informative, and if you've ever wondered about mold or if it could be behind some of your symptoms, you're going to love this episode. And before I hop into the interview, this episode today is sponsored by my favorite, Funkit Wellness. Funkit Wellness is a female-owned business in Austin, Texas, and their beautiful seed cycling kits are an amazing natural way to take a food-based approach to your hormone health. Seed cycling with Funkit Wellness is really as easy as tracking your cycle and using their seed blends at different phases of your cycle to support your hormone and cyclical health. I've been seed cycling personally with Funkit Wellness for almost a year now, and I've noticed huge differences in PMS and my moods in my luteal phase, but also my overall cyclical health. I have had the most regular periods that I've had in a very long time, and I really attribute it to this simple tool. Funkit makes it so easy to be successful with seed cycling with their beautiful organic pre-ground seeds mailed straight to your door and all of their subscriptions come with free shipping, which means every month you'll have a new box of beautiful seeds waiting for you so you can nourish your hormones in the easiest way possible. To get started with seed cycling, go to the link in the show notes or visit funkitwellness.com and be sure to use code DRC15 so you can save 15% on your order. My guest on the podcast today is Sydney Arkfeld, and her story really is incredible. Now, in August of 2018, she moved into an apartment and saw that her health rapidly declined. At first, she just assumed it was the stress of working two jobs and being out on her own. But by December of 2018, she had over 60 different symptoms and finally decided to see her primary care doctor. They found nothing wrong with her and sent her off to multiple different doctors where she found no answers. In March of 2019, she found a local naturopath who listened to her and advocated for her health. Sydney eventually learned that most of her symptoms were stemming back from mold illness, and so she began this big journey of healing. Over the last couple of years, she's made huge strides in her health and has also found her true passion in holistic health and energy healing. She's a certified Reiki practitioner and is also going to school to become an integrative health practitioner with hopes to help others who are chronically ill and who have lost hope. In this episode together, we talk about some extraordinary things. We talk about the symptoms of mold, as well as the biggest myths around mold. So if you've ever wondered, can you just paint over mold? Is mold only dangerous if it's black? Can you use bleach? You're going to learn so much from this episode. Um, her story is incredible, and her healing journey is nothing short of inspiring. So enjoy. Hey, Sydney, it's a huge honor to have you on the podcast. How are you doing? I am doing okay. Um, as... I had told you earlier, I'm actually going through what I'll be talking about again, so it's been hard, but also I'm doing really good as I 
have my tools um, I know I need and that I'm on the right path eventually. But I'm super excited to be on the podcast with you. And thank you so much for inviting me on. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm, yeah, we'll get into exactly what you're alluding to here with mold and all of that. But it's such a pleasure to finally have someone on the podcast that not only is an expert in mold, but has also personally lived through mold toxicity and Lyme and all the things. Um, And I know that someone is going to hear this episode and feel like finally they're seeing what they need to see in terms of their symptoms. And finally, this stealth pathogen can come to the light and they'll finally have resources to get help. Yes, exactly. And it's very, back when I got super sick, there wasn't that much information out there. And I feel like now it's being brought to light, but still not enough resources. So Mm -hmm. yeah, like I shared with you, I learned nothing about mold in all of my schooling and education. Um, And it's really only been in the last couple of years that like you said, people are starting to talk about this. I'd love for you to take us back to when you started to feel like your health declined. You know, how was your health before that? And then what happened in terms of mold? Just to give people an idea of how it can creep into your health and then what what it looks like when you're really living with it. Yeah, of course. Okay, so I grew up pretty holistically. Um, my mom raised me very natural um, due to a injury I had from a vaccine when I was six months old. Um, So I was raised pretty holistically. I um, took my vitamins. I took my supplements. You know, we weren't super deep into all that, but I still, we were pretty surface level. Um, And so I had pretty good health. But back in 2018, when I was going off to college, I moved into an older apartment. And so my health was pretty good. I actually did get sick about a year prior from Mexico. And never really regained completely. I ended up getting C. diff um, from a Mexico trip. And so mm. a lot of people, you know, talk about gut health and how important that is. And I know my gut was ruined after that. Um, so which can make you more susceptible to things. So I moved into this old apartment in August of 2018. And, you know, I worked two jobs. I was doing school. I was very, very busy, um, very happy, very energized, um, you know, went with the flow. And within two or three months, my health started declining. And, you know, right away, I just chalked it up to be stressed. I didn't think much about it. Um, Not only until it kept going down and down and kept getting worse. And so um, I want to say about November around Thanksgiving, I really noticed some odd things, but just Mm. thought, oh, you know, maybe it's anxiety stress. Um, I was on an antidepressant from two years earlier, just a super low dose, which, you know, I don't love, but you know, you have to do what you have to do. So I assumed it was something with that. So I just kept pushing through my everyday life um, and working my two jobs, school. And then by January of 2019, I was a wreck. I was getting sick all the time. My vision was awful. So Mm. a lot of people will say, well, you know, was it just you needed to go to the eye doctor and get your contacts changed? Because I do have prescription um, contacts. So, you know, a couple of times my first symptom was actually vision. And so I went to the eye doctor literally at least three times. Mm. And I'm like, something is wrong. You know, he checked my eyes. He's like, everything's fine. Mm. So what was happening was my depth perception was off. And 
everything seemed closer than it actually was. I was having blurry vision. I started developing a nystagmus. So for those that don't know what a nystagmus is, is you can't move your eyes left to right. They're pretty much stuck. So when mm-hmm. I was driving, I'd have to move my body completely to look around. Um, it caused dizziness because my eyes weren't moving fluidly. And, you know, so I went to the eye doctor and they were like, nope, everything looks great. And so I really knew something was up with that. And then another thing that was happening with my vision was something a lot of people probably know, derealization slash depersonalization. And so what was going on was everything I was looking at kind of looked like it was in a movie, Hmm. like cartoonish. It's so hard to describe until you have it, but nothing looked real. Um, Everything just looked bizarre. And, you know, I started telling my mom, I feel drunk all the time. And I was not someone who drank ever really. But, you know, when you've done it once, you know what it feels like. But I was (laughs) feeling like that 24-7. You know, I would wake up and I'm like, what is going on? And so things just kept getting worse and worse. Um, I started having, it was extreme fatigue, joint pain. Um, the dizziness, I was running into walls, I was dropping things constantly, Um, I was getting these chest colds, um, and then also just random different things, like constant night sweats. I would wake up drenched after every time I slept. I also was having extreme anxiety. I would wake up in the middle of the night panicking, and I never had like extreme anxiety before for no reason, and this wasn't over anything. It just would happen. And so um, I finally just kept deteriorating and my mom started realizing as I lived in the same town, just 25 minutes away. So finally, my mom took me to a doctor and we went to a regular doctor before because she was like, I would feel awful, you know, if it was something more and I took you to a naturopath or holistic doctor first. And so um, I went to my normal physician. She ran every test. Um, all came back fine. So she was like, okay, I can hand you off to a new doctor, you know, how they just hand you down the line. Um, And so I went to that doctor, nothing. Um, They were like, you know, starting to talk about all the MS and everything. And obviously we knew nothing, nothing was going to come out of it because I guess she kept telling me it's anxiety, it's all in your head, Mm -hmm. which is literally the most frustrating and scariest thing ever because you know your body best and you know when something's not right. And then when everyone around you is saying it's all in your head or just get more sleep or here, take more Lexapro. Um, Yeah, it's super frustrating. And so it started getting so bad that um, I started having more like serious symptoms. My throat would tighten up when I was in my apartment. Um, It felt like someone was strangling me. And so I tell people now, it was kind of odd. I started staying at my mom's a lot more because it's like my body almost knew something wasn't safe there because I had the biggest fear staying there. And I had no idea why. I just assumed um, something wasn't right. And so I ended up going back and forth a lot. I stayed with my mom. And she finally, um, March of 2019, took me to see a naturopath. We found one where we live. Um, And I'll never forget, I walked in there and she looked me up and down and was like, yeah, something's seriously wrong. My whole body was gray. Mm -hmm. I could barely walk. Um, You know, I had over 60 different symptoms. And so 
I was like, I sat down in her chair. She started talking to me and she's like, I believe you. You know, I was bawling like something's not right. She's like, I know we're going to run tests. We're going to get to the bottom of this. And so, um, I don't know. A lot of people are like this. I hate getting my blood drawn. (laughs) Like (laughs) it is literally the worst. And, um, so that day they laid me down, they put on some device that helped me, but I just remember laying there thinking, okay, like calm down. Like they're going to find answers. This is going to be it. And so, um, I got my blood work a couple weeks later and I was still living in my apartment. You know, I had no idea. Somehow I was pushing through and still working my job. Um, but I literally felt like I was going to fall over when I was working. I was slurring my words. I mean, my brain function was completely off. It felt like I literally had um, dementia. And so I pushed through it. I just kept pushing through it. And finally, uh, my blood work came back. And so I went to see her and um, I love her to death. She saved me. But she pretty much focused on EBV and a couple other markers. And so she got me on a ton of supplements. And I feel like it kind of helped me from pretty much not dying because it was at the point she told me she was thinking about putting me in the hospital um, because she didn't know like if I was going to make it another day. And so she put me on a ton of stuff. Um, I was actually on the verge of going septic due to a ton of different flares that were infections that were going on in my body, which now I can trace it back to, um, you know, when you move into mold, it's going to flare different infections. And so I treated with her for a couple months and I wasn't getting better, just kind of, you know, plateaued still. And so I just kept researching and researching and, you know, well, I know a lot of people can relate because you're your best advocate and you are not ever going to find the total root cause if you leave it up to someone, which that sounds not good. You know, a lot of people are going to be like, great, I can't trust anyone. No, you can trust many doctors, many naturopaths out there, but you know your body best. Mm-hmm. No one's going to be able to yes. tell you exactly what's going on if they're not in your body. And so um, I actually followed, I don't know if you follow her, the Balance Blonde. Um, I came across her on Instagram actually just because of spiritual stuff, but she started talking about Lyme Lyme disease. And so I was like, okay. So I looked up all my symptoms. This was in the summer of 2019. I looked up all my symptoms because I just wasn't getting better and I kept declining. And a majority of my symptoms matched up to Lyme. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is my answer. But then in the back of my head, I was like, I was never bit by a tick. I don't know if this is right, but I went to my doctor and she's like, okay, let's run a Lyme um, test. And so I got my results back. Everything came back positive. So, you know, you get excited. You're like, okay, this is my diagnosis. I have Lyme, like, let's fix it. Mm -hmm. And so I had a ton of friends I connected with that had Lyme and they told me, join these Lyme groups on Facebook, you know, these support groups, which those can be very helpful, but they can also be very terrifying because you hear a lot of horror stories in there. Um, So I kept researching in those groups, you know, and I kept hearing people tell people, well, have you checked for mold toxicity? Have you tested your house for mold? Because mold and Lyme, they go hand in hand. And I'm sitting there thinking mold, like, I thought like a place has to be covered in mold for you to get sick. Like, how are you like, I was completely healthy, my body should be able to fight this off. And so I kept researching and I actually bought 
um, Shoemaker's book about mold. And so I ordered that. And what do you know? Every single one of my symptoms that uh, was mold. Hmm. And so actually a lot of people get Lyme and mold confused because they have very similar symptoms. Um, So I decided to have my doctor run a mycotox test, which can determine if you have high levels of mold in your body. Um, And it came back and I did. And so I was like, okay, I never saw anything in my apartment that threw me off until I started seeing mold growing in my shower. But it was just a little bit mildew, you know, nothing crazy. And so I just kept digging. And um, I ended up hiring two different mold people behind the apartment's back because I actually did contact the apartment. And, you know, of course, they were like, there's no mold. Um, they painted over and cocked over in the shower, which mm-hmm. that actually was nothing compared to what I found. Um, but I ended up hiring someone cause I was like, something's not right. All my symptoms match up to mold. I'm doing a test no matter what, because it started clicking that ever since I moved into this apartment, my health deteriorated. And so I hired a couple of mold people and I didn't know anything back then. So I actually had two different people come. And they did air sampling, which there is controversy out there if air sampling versus uh, dust tests are good and it can be back and forth. But anyways, this person did um, an air sample and it did come back high mold, but he told me it was fine for me to live in. So um, I stayed in there for a couple more weeks and actually we had an HVAC closet in my apartment. And the people were coming to do maintenance and they accidentally left it unlocked, I noticed when they left. And so um, I opened it up because I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I've never looked in here. I wonder what's in here. And I opened it up and there was mold everywhere Hmm. on the ceiling, on the walls, in the HVAC, completely everywhere, covered. And so right away I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is it. This is what's killing me. And so, um, you know, I called my mom. She came down. Like, I finally, it clicked. Like, it was in my HVAC, in the walls, and it was permeating through the entire apartment. And so, you couldn't see anything in the rest of the apartment. Um, Now that I know more, I bet I could find signs that there was mold. But people paint over things, you know, apartment management and landlords, they paint over mold. They don't want to deal with it. And so right away, um, I called the office and I pretty much told them what was going on and, you know, they gaslit me and they were like, no, like it's not this blah, blah, blah. But I got my doctor to write me a note to release me from the mold, um, or from the lease and to get out of there. And, you know, I didn't know much about it then, but I did read in all these groups, they were saying you have to leave everything behind. Because the mm-hmm. mold contaminates all porous items. Really? And so, yes. And a lot of people don't. It's kind of hard to understand. But anything porous you have in your house, if you have a mold problem in your home, the mycotoxins that are spewed from the mold spores, which I can get more into in a little bit, um, they contaminate and go into these porous items. And they're actually... Um, invisible to the human eye. You cannot see them, but they're in there. And so I literally had to leave everything behind. Um, 
I moved in with my mom and um, didn't know much about mold as I did now. So now I realize a lot, but yes, so my apartment um, was what was making me sick. And I only lived there. I got out of my lease in 2019, uh, November of 2019. So I moved out of there November of 2019, and I moved in there August of 2018. So um, that's kind of like the backstory of what happened. Um, But I ended up learning tons more after I got out and started actually digging into um, the science and why and how that made me so sick. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, that was like a roller coaster to listen to where you're just like, whoa, I can't believe you had to go through all of that. And then hearing how erratic the symptoms were too, you know, it's not just fatigue. It's not just, you know, things that can be brushed off as like, well, everybody experiences that. I mean, what you were saying with your eyesight and everything is just, it's absolutely shocking to hear and sad that a lot of people dismissed those symptoms along the way. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it was. And I think now I look back and, you know, I was very angry at a lot of those doctors because I could have almost died. But, you know, like I said, not a lot of people know about it. And I'm glad finally, right, I feel like this year it's the words getting out. But, um, oh, I mean, I had 60 plus symptoms and, you know, I pretty much just focused on the ones that were the worst. But I look back now and there was telltale signs every single day. Mm hmm. So if someone is hearing this and is like, oh my God, if she got that sick in just over a year, you know, of living in this apartment, what would be some of the physical symptoms that are common with mold toxicity? Yeah. Okay. So, um, like I said, the main one is fatigue. So, you know, a lot of people are going to get fatigued and a lot of people can be fatigued and it's not just mold. So don't hear that and like freak out. But, um, So very common physical ones can be fatigue, joint pain. Um, I had very, very bad muscle cramps. I would wake up in the middle of the night holding my leg, like screaming because it was so bad. Um, I would get these ice pick pressure headaches. Those are very common with mold. It's not just a normal headache. It feels like someone's taking a knife and stabbing it into only one spot of your head. Um, Eyesight problems is a huge one. Actually, Dr. Shoemaker has a visual test out there and it will tell you, you know, I think you have a mold problem. It's called the visual sensitivity test or something like that. Um, And you take it and it will tell you, I think you have a mold problem. So eyesight, blurred vision, all that stuff is a very huge telltale sign of mold. Um, Also, like black dots and floaters and all that kind of stuff. Um, another one is sinus congestion, shortness of breath. Um, I had something called air hunger, which a lot of people, it's, you know, a term in the mold world, but pretty much you just can't get a deep breath. feels like someone's constantly is sitting on your lungs. Um, and then of course, you know, you get into the more severe symptoms of brain and neurological. So, you know, memory issues, focus and concentration issues, Uh, word finding issues, all that kind of stuff. Um, And then another sign can be increased urination. So feeling like you can never empty your bladder, especially at night, having to go to the bathroom and um, urinate 10 to 12 times. That's what I was doing when I lived there. Um, Obviously, that's not normal. So what happens with that is that 
the mold loves your kidneys and bladder. And our bodies are so innate and smart that our bladder knows mold should not be in here. So they're constantly trying to flush them out. So that's very common as well. Um, there's, you know, there can be a huge different list and I can send it to you so you can link it up. But those are some of the main ones. And, you know, I tell people all the time, everyone's different. My mom and sister also got sick from mold and we all don't have the same symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting how it affects everyone so different. But I'm glad you shared some of those because those are pretty unique, um, you know, in that those are definitely signs that it's something a lot deeper than just your adrenals are tired or, you know, something yes. like that. Yes, for sure. I'm sure since you've been learning about mold over the years, um, you've heard a lot of big misconceptions, you know, so you've pointed out some of them, like some people say, well, if you just put bleach over the mold in your bathroom, then that'll fix it or just paint over it. Or mm -hmm. can you touch on some of those big misconceptions and why some of these things are very far from the truth? Yeah. So of course, you know, when I hired those two mold people to come out, now I know better. I mean, you can only trust like 5% of the mold industry, inspectors, remediation, because they really don't know how in depth and how sick it can make a person. And so um, a lot of people will say, you say you find mold on your walls, say you find mold in your toilets, um, mold in your shower, etc. This is another thing to touch on, but if you find mold in growing in your toilet bowl or toilet tank excessively all the time, that means you actually have a bigger issue going on in your home and you have mold hidden somewhere and what's causing it is mold spores love moisture and so they're going to attract to those moisture places so that's actually how I found out I had a mold problem at my mom's house was from the toilet tanks. And so a big misconception is use bleach. Bleach kills mold or go buy kill spray or there's mold paint, you know, mm -hmm. just paint over it on porous places or mm -hmm. on wood. Um, and that is far from the truth. Now, a lot of people think bleach and kills actually kills mold. Because what it does is it whitens it. So it looks like you don't have mold anymore. But what actually happens is if you put bleach on mold, yes, it whitens it, but it's going to grow back faster, bigger, and stronger. And it's also going to spew something called mycotoxins, which are a chemical that the mold releases. That's actually the most dangerous part of the mold. Hmm. And so, you know, you have a lot of people out here saying, you know, bleach it, put kills. And that's what a lot of these landlords and apartments do. But it's far from the truth. You can never kill mold. And I want a lot of people to understand that because, um, you know, that's what we were taught growing up. And you cannot, you have to remove it and have remediation done professionally. If it is found, you know, in a porous situation, just as drywall, wood, um, flooring, you know, those types of places. Um, so another misconception a lot of people think is all mold is, all toxic mold is black, right? You know, I see mm -hmm. black mold and that's what's causing my health problems. And actually, um, there are many different types of molds out there that aren't black and can cause problems. And so um, that's something I only learned just six months ago. You know, I was reading up on it and actually a lot of harmful molds can be gray, green, pink. So they can be all different types of colors. Um, it doesn't just have to be black, 
to mean it's harming you. And wow. then, um, yeah, it's very interesting. And that's what we're taught, you know, toxic black mold, stay away. Well, it can be many different colors. Um, and so another one that I like to touch on is you don't have to see the mold for it to be harming you. Um, yes, I found it in my closet and it was visible. But in my mom's house, which um, I ended up moving into and my sister and mom started getting sick, it was a brand new build. Um, everything was hidden behind the walls and up in the attic and in the um, vents. And so nothing was visible. And a lot of people will say, well, I don't have a mold problem. I don't think mold's making me sick. You know, right away I'll say, okay, well, did you do an ERMI? Have you tested your home? Because most of the main, most people who get sick, like I want to say like 70%, it was all hidden. A lot of it was hidden. Mm -hmm. So that's a big misconception too. Um, just because you don't see mold, you don't have mold. Hmm. Wow. I mean, it really is like they say a stealth pathogen in that it is sneaky and it hides and it's one of those things that you may not even know is affecting you because you don't see it. It's not in your shower. It's not in your toilet, but it's like you said, in your attic or behind the walls or God knows where. Yeah. And now, you know, it's kind of a joke. It's not funny, but it's a joke right now with all these new builds is they are building these houses and leaving the lumber out during the rain, during mm -hmm. winter. And so guess what's going to happen? Moisture, right. water, and you have a food source for mold, the wood. It's, they're putting up houses and they're moldy already because of the lumber. Yeah. And so a lot of people don't think about that. But, um, and like you said, you might not think it's mold. You know, I know someone, a lot of people have reached out to my mom and I since getting sick about mold and um, they were diagnosed with MS. It wasn't yeah. MS. It was mold. Mm -hmm. So um, I always tell people they have found mold in a lot of dementia, Alzheimer, MS, um, all these kinds of patients. And so don't ever settle with a diagnosis. Keep digging. Mm -hmm. Because I promise you, you're going to find something that's causing these symptoms or something for this diagnosis. Yeah. Totally. Especially with how prevalent it is. I'm sure you've seen this statistic, but they say one in two buildings in the U.S. have a mold problem, which oh, yeah. is disturbing. It's scary. Yeah. Because yeah. like you said, whether it's an old house that's just sitting there and there's been slow water damage in some way, or these new houses are... Oh my God, you know, earlier this year with all those big snowstorms in Texas and, you know, in the South and all these buildings that had pipes burst with severe water damage. So many people, uh, you know, NDs and stuff in those areas were speaking out saying, if your apartment building flooded like this, do not live there. Those apartments are not going to really fix it. Mm -hmm. They're going to patch it and people are going to be very ill here in about a year. And I was like, oh my God. I mean, when you said that, I got chills because seriously, what's going on too, which people don't realize, sometimes these older builds are better than the newer builds because really? wow. these newer builds are built very airtight and you want good airflow in your home. In these older homes, a lot of them are brick. They're not made of what now they call 
paper material is what they're building with these new homes, you know, the drywall, the cheap, Mm -hmm. all that on the outside. And so these older homes have better airflow. And of course, if they didn't have a water, if they had a water damage, yes, that's going to cause problems. But um, foundation wise and all that, they're saying the older homes are better than the newer builds. Wow. I would, yeah, you would not think that you would think the opposite, like, oh, you just need to build your own home or something. But I was just up in Alaska and I was thinking of you because I was excited to have this conversation and, you know, it rains there pretty much every day. And there were all these homes that were just, you know, the, I don't even know the, just like the wood layout of it so far, like the basic outline of it, Um, you know, and it's just pouring rain. I just kept thinking of you thinking this is it right here (laughs) is, and I don't know how in those areas you avoid that where it is just a rainy, humid, wet place. Yeah. And well, I mean, I think the problem is they're bringing out the lumber and they're letting it sit there. Mm -hmm. Um, So what from I know is you don't want to bring out the lumber until it's ready to build. But it is hard Mm -hmm. once you start building. Well, if it rains, what are you going to do? Right. So, yeah. And like you said, with all these Texas storms, a lot of the problems are is you can have water damage and not have mold. But that's if you're taking care of the problem within 24 to 48 hours, because it only takes 48 hours for mold to start growing. And the reason is, you know, you call these water damage companies, they don't know what they're doing, most of them. So they don't actually cut out everything that needs to be cut out, dry everything that needs to be dried out. Hmm. So that can be, you know, if you catch it, a lot Mm -hmm. of people are super fearful of water damage. But if you catch it and you fix it right, you won't have a problem. But like mm. you said, most landlords and all these places, they don't care. They're just going to paint over it. Right. Yeah. These massive apartment buildings are, they're going to be looking at the bottom line, unfortunately, more than anything. Oh, I mean, there's a joke in all these mold groups is, well, and now I get it. If you live in an apartment building, you want to move every one to two years because eventually you're going to get an issue. Jeez. Yeah, it's... Yeah, this is mind blowing. (laughs) Um, It is. It's a lot to take in. It is. But a lot of it makes so much sense, Um, both from what I've experienced personally and what I see in my patients. I mean, all of this connects. So that's why I'm so glad we're talking about this. Yeah. So with all this being said, so if someone's starting to experience these symptoms, it sounds like testing is an important thing to consider. And what does that look like? Yes, for sure. I mean, yes, it's going to cost money, but it's better to know than not to know. And so a lot of people, like I said, you're, they're going to want to call a local mold company. And I'm telling you, majority of these people are going to come in. They're going to look, especially if you don't have any visible mold, they're going to laugh in your face. But they're going to come in. They're going to look around. They're going to do some air sampling. And most likely if you don't have air sampling done right, it's not going to come back anything. Or what happened to me in my apartment, they never ran all the mold. They did the air sampling, but they never ran it for all the molds they should have. And so I always tell people just stay away from hiring someone right away because the best test out there now for people with mold illness is called ERMI. So it's E-R-M-I. And there's a couple different companies that run them. I use Mycometrics, but pretty much what happens is it's a dust cloth sample. 
And so, you know, you just get your own little Swiffer and you go around and collect dust all from your house. Now, you can do room to room to see if you can figure out what problem, like where the problem is in your home, but a lot of people can't afford that, so they'll just do one ermy on their whole house. And so, uh, you have to be careful, though, with doing the dust test. You want to make sure you're not collecting dust from a long, like, long time ago, because what happens is why this dust test works so well is mold, mold spores settle in dust. So if you have a problem in your home, that mold is going to fall to the ground and fall on things in the dust. And so um, you want to get dust from that's freshly new, like seven to nine weeks new. So if you're going to do a house that you've lived in forever, easily mold can be brought in from, um, you know, groceries or your feet. And so you want to make sure when you're collecting this dust, that it's dust from your home and it's newer. And so you go around and collect all this dust and then um, there's instructions on Mycometrics website. I'll have to send to you so you can link. But you go around and then you send your dust sample off to them. And then you can either run an ERMI or a Hertzme. And I always recommend running an ERMI first because that gives you all your molds, your outdoor molds, and then all your water damage slash indoor molds, which will cause a problem. And so you will get your ERMI back and, um, you know, it will give you a score at the bottom. Now there's some misconception about the scoring. You know, they'll say, oh, if you're between negative one and four, you're fine. Or if it's between four and 10, you want to get out. I always tell people, and now a lot of professionals, if you're on Instagram and follow a lot of mold people, they say, don't go by the score. You want to look at that ERMI, and there's people who can interpret this for you, but you want to look at the ERMI and see, okay, what mold showed up on here that should never be in a home? And there's a handful of them, but I want to say the top three that should never be in a home is Stachyborus, Chaetonium, and then um, a couple of the Aspergillus and Penicillins. So... I always tell people after you get that test back, it's super overwhelming. Like I would always hire someone to interpret it for you because you're going to be so lost if you get that back and you don't know how to read it right. I mean, it took me a year to start figuring out how to read these right. And so that's going to tell you if you have a problem in your home or not. And so um, you want to go by that. So if you get that back and you see you have a problem in your home, okay. Now, the next step I always tell people is to get a mold test done on yourself. So there's a couple different places that um, run these tests, but the one I like is called Mycotox Profile by Great Plains Lab. And you do have to have a practitioner to be able to run it. A lot of naturopaths, um, holistic health coaches should be able to pull it for you. But next, now that you have your ERMI and you know, okay, what's in your house? You want to run a mycotox profile to see what molds come up in your body, uh, what mycotoxins, and match it up to your house. Because a lot of people sometimes, they'll get sick and they'll think it's this house they're living in, but actually it could have been a past exposure. So what you're doing when you do this uh, mold test on your body, you can match it up to your mold results. Okay, so I have chaetonium showing up in my body. And I have chaetonium showing up in my home. And I got sick when I was in this home. 
So then you know, okay, it definitely is mold. It's making me sick. And you can usually go from there. Hmm, interesting. I am going to need you to write out those types of mold that you said. Because um, that's interesting that those are the ones to really, really look out for. And then how you can kind of cross, um, what's the word? Kind of like cross analyze. Yeah. yeah, there you go. See, we both yeah. talked about it at the beginning of this episode. We're both like our brains. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're, I know. we're working on it today. I know. There's so much information, but it's, and now you don't always want to go by just those three molds. There can be, like I said, everyone's different. Mm-hmm. Some one mold that might bother someone might not bother the other. So you always, I highly encourage people to get their ERMI and then obviously their mold body tests interpreted. And then you can go from there. Um, but yeah. So then this is probably a hard question, but so say you're renting Mm -hmm. And it comes back and it's saying there's definitely mold and maybe, yeah, you're just in a place where you're not going to put a bunch of money into it. I guess then it sounds like the best option is to move. What if you own the house? So, yes, when you're renting, I always tell people just cut your ties and get out because the landlords and uh, management, they don't care. They're just going to come in and paint over it and then cause problems. Um, I know it sucks that you have to cut ties. But when you're in your own house, sometimes that can be even worse than renting. Um, So when you're in your own house, what happens when you see you have a mold problem? Then that's when I always say, okay, you need to hire someone, an inspector that actually knows what they're talking about, to come out, do a full exam on the house, full inspection, um, literally such an in-depth testing. So the guy we hired... There's no one where we live that knows what they're doing. And I knew that by calling them and interviewing them. And so we ended up hiring someone that lived four hours away. Some people hire someone that lives a plane right away and they'll come. Um, I will give you names of people I trust for to do um, inspections. But pretty much what they do is they come. They look in every nook and cranny. There's telltale signs if you have a mold problem. Um, and then they'll also do in-depth air sampling. So what happened with my mom's house is they did, oh man, like I wanted to say he took like 50 different air samples, like three in each room, some in wall cavities, some in the HVAC. And when all the tests came back, we knew, okay, this is where the problem is. Um, because obviously the molds that were on our ERMI did match up to the air sampling but they were higher in different rooms and you could easily tell because everything was invisible where um, in this home. So once Mm. you figure out, okay, where's the mold now you can either decide um, to either cut your losses and sell it, which for me, I couldn't ever do that because I would never want to put someone else through that. Um, So usually the next step is, and you can always though, if you want to cut your losses, disclose it and say, you know, there is a mold problem in here. And sadly, a lot of people don't care. You know, they Mm -hmm. think they're immune to mold. And so they'll just buy it. But your next step would be remediation. And remediation is a tricky topic because there's a lot of remediators out there that think they know what they're doing, but they don't. And things can get very not good very fast during your remediation. Hmm. And so that's why I also think it's very good to work with someone who knows what they're talking about and can help you 
find, you know, remediation companies that they've worked with firsthand and they can trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, the people I follow on Instagram that, um, I know they do interpretation and they also work with you on remediation, a huge one. I'm sure a lot of people listening, if they know about mold, will know PJ Harlow. She's amazing. Um, she is who I learned a lot of my stuff through, but she does, um, consults. She went through it herself. And so she'll find remediation teams for you where you live that she knows will do the job right. And then, um, there's a couple different people out there. And eventually with my practice, I want to open up interpretations, um, too for mold, but you will have to find a remediation company that, um, can, you know, put up containment, right? Cut out the problem, um, you know, fix the problem. And I mean, obviously I'm not a remediation person, so I don't know all the ins and outs of everything that needs to be done. But um, like I said, you can never kill mold. So when you're finding a remediation company, you want to ask them these hard questions and know what they're going to do. But the next step is always remediation. And usually that can take either a week to months. Just depends how bad your house is. But another thing that's going to be hard is you have to literally get rid of anything in your house that is porous, um, which can be very traumatizing and hard for a lot of people. And so go ahead. I was just going to say, I get so attached to things. So I'm sure that would be the hardest thing for me because porous meaning like, like even wood or just fabric kind of stuff. Yeah. Wood, everything, a lot of pretty much probably three fourths of people's houses. And so what happens with remediation too is you literally have to pretty much rip apart your whole entire, like gut it because mm-hmm. what happened was those mycotoxins got in all that. And so pretty much what ha- is happening with remediation is you're gutting your house and building it from the ground up. Um, but yeah, the hard part is getting rid of those porous items and you can keep non-porous items. And you can also keep clothing as there is solution you can wash your clothing in. Because I know a lot of people are probably like, I have to get rid of all my clothes. No. <laughs> I would have I would have had no clothes. After how many places I've been through, I would not have any clothes left. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's super in-depth. But remediation is always what happens after you find mold. And, you know, it can be scary. But when you have people walking you through it, um, you know, it can be a little less scary. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like if your life is on the line, like when you're to that point, like you've been, then this is secondary, you know, like when, when you've been really ill, you know, that you will do anything for your health. So I think it's, it's probably hard to grasp unless you're there. Exactly. And so, you know, and I tell a lot of people, a lot of people are like, okay, well, I kind of just want to sell my house and get out and find and go buy a new one well, you know what? You're going to have to do an ERMI on all these new houses. Because when I was house hunting, there was multiple houses I looked at. I didn't see any signs because I know what to look for. I did an ERMI, came back off the charts. Really? So a lot, yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, like I said, they're building these houses with this material that's already going up moldy. But I always tell people, you know, it's probably best to remediate because then you know that the house is safe because you always have to do 
post-testing after you do remediation to make sure, obviously, they did everything right. Mm. But, um, you know, it might be better to almost remediate because then you still have a house and you know it's safe. You're not looking Mm -hmm. around to find another one that's, you know, possibly could be moldy. Because a lot of people just cut their losses, move into a new place and think they're fine. And then they end up in the same situation they were before. Mm -hmm. So since we've kind of talked about how some people, they call them like uh, canaries in the coal mine, right? Like some people have a very sensitive system. So their body will be throwing red flags long before someone that maybe doesn't have as sensitive a system, but they could then live there 10 years and slowly be getting sick, right? Yes. What, um, what, I guess, what would make someone more likely to get mold toxicity or mold illness? Yeah. And so, you know, growing up, you know, I never had, you know, my mom looks back and she's like, well, the house we lived in had mold, you know, it didn't really affect you. And so um, there's two different gene mutations, actually, someone can have that can cause a problem. And the first one is the MTHFR gene. And I'm sure you know, you know all about that. But <laughs> yep. that's the gene you don't want. And I have so I have that gene, which pretty much what happens is um, you can't detox things properly and normal toxins and everything and normal people who don't have this can detox a lot of the stuff out naturally and they don't need help. And so someone who has the MTHFR gene mutation are more susceptible to things like this, as well as the HLA gene mutation. Um, so those are the two mutations that someone can have that makes them more susceptible to things like mold and biotoxins. And um, another thing is, you know, which seems super simple, is, is your bucket, toxic bucket overflowing? Um, you know, a lot of people end up getting super sick from mold because they've had previous things that have filled up their bucket and then, you know, they move into that mold and then their bucket just falls over and their whole body goes haywire. And so, you know, I always tell people, make sure you're always detoxing and working on that toxicity bucket because eventually down the road after someone who got who has mold toxicity you want to eventually be able to go stay in hotels or go on vacations and not have reactions because your toxic bucket is much lower. And so, um, you know, it's, it's hard because a lot of people don't know what their gene mutations are because who, you know, normal doctors don't tell us to get that done. And so not a lot of people know, but Those are two genes that can cause problems in people and make them more susceptible to mold. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that dang MTHFR gene (laughs) seems to really be at the root of so many different things. I know. My doctor, my naturopath tested it for me and she's like, yeah, you have it. I'm like, of course I do. (laughs) Like, why wouldn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So if someone's listening to this and say they know their shower is super moldy or, you know, actually, I remember a few months ago, you shared a TikTok, which by the way, everyone, she has the best TikTok ever. <laughs> um, and it was of this sweet, beautiful woman and she was dancing in her shower, but her entire shower was mold. I mean, I've never seen a shower that bad. Like, do you remember the video oh. I'm talking about? 
it was was it was it a guy that was going into there i i, I thought so it was many. a girl i, don't, I know i, mean, I don't I'm know sure it doesn't matter but, but yeah, yeah i, I mean, remember like, what you're talking about floor to ceiling like fuzzy freaking mold and she was just dancing and doing this tiktok all cute and i felt so bad and everyone in the comments was like babe you can't like no <laughs> like, what <are laughs> please get out of there yeah like that's not okay so obviously that was an extreme case but yeah i digress if someone <laughs> knows they have some mold in their house, but maybe they don't feel too concerned about it yet. Um, however, maybe they're matching some of those symptoms you shared, like with the fatigue and having mm -hmm. to pee all the time. Where would you suggest they start? And have there been any really helpful tools or protocols or foods or anything that you feel comfortable throwing out there as like a helpful starting point? Yeah, for sure. So obviously, you know, you see that. I want you to do usually an ERMI right away to see what you're dealing with. Now, if you're not like super, super sick, so a lot of people can live in mold and they never have issues. Now, I don't recommend that. Like I no, no one should ever live in toxic mold, but some people can handle it. But you always want to start doing an ERMI. And you know what? If you have those mold symptoms and they match up, you don't have to do a mold test on your body, but a lot of people like to do that just for peace of mind and knowing, you know, they're not crazy and it's not all in their head. Um, so first start with that. And then I always tell people to start working with someone because, you know, um, you can try all the things, but every single body's different and something that works for you might not work for someone else. And so Key points, though, when it comes to mold is you want to get on a binder. And so there's tons of different binders out on the market. Um, you know, there's Quicksilver, there's Zeolite, Bennonite Clay. There's a ton of different ones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you go to someone, they'll know what's best for your body. But you have to get on a binder because so many people, they'll move out of their mold, moldy places, and they still aren't feeling good. And the reason that is, is because mold loves our fat. They love our organs. They're just going to stay there and make house. And they're not going to leave on their own unless we're detoxing them out and binding them. And so what this binder does, essentially, is it goes in and it grabs onto these molds, these mycotoxins, and then they pu it pulls it out in our body, obviously, through our urine and... Um, through um, our digestive tract, all that stuff, and going to the bathroom every day. And so you want to get on a binder. That is probably one of the most helpful things um, that was that I used and a lot of people use because you have to get that mold out of your system. And then another thing to start, square one, is opening your drainage pathways. And if people are listening, they probably know after this year, how many people preach about opening your drainage pathways because a lot of people um, don't realize what their drainage pathways are and you know what drainage pathways actually are is it's your liver, your lymphatic system, your bowels. Are you going, are you moving your bowels two to three times a day, um, your urine, all that sort of stuff. And so you want to make sure, are you supporting your liver? Are you supporting your gallbladder? Because mold loves all these different organs. Um, mold also loves the lymphatic system. So doing different, getting different supplements to support your drainage pathways, as well as different therapies. So dry brushing for the lymph, 
hot and cold showers for the lymphatic system. Um, liver, I love coffee enemas. And, you know, a lot of people are going to be like, I'm not doing that. But coffee enemas saved my life. Like I was doing them one to two times a day when I was super sick and it helped pull so much stuff out of me. So those are really good for your liver. Um, Mm -hmm. Also making sure, like I said, you're going, you're moving your bowels at least two times a day because if you're backed up and you're not urinating, you're not moving your bowels, of course, you're not going to feel good. You're not getting all the toxins out of your body. And so Another thing is sauna, sweating. If you don't have a sauna, get in an Epsom salt bath and just start sweating. Go for walks mm-hmm. and um, get that out of you. Like mold comes out in your sweat. So if you're sweating every day, you're going to feel like a totally different new person. It helps so much. And so that was super helpful as well as um, working on my gut health. My gut was a wreck even before I got sick. And what happens is I bet you 90% of these people who are sick with mold have leaky gut. And what leaky gut is, is it's your intestinal permeability. So obviously I can't show what it looks like, but pretty much think of you're taking your two hands and you're putting them together and crossing them. And they're super tight. Now, a normal gut function should be super tight and you shouldn't have any holes or anything for the toxins or undigested food to get through. But what happens with leaky gut is these walls kind of open up and it lets mold, toxins, undigested food get through the gut and then essentially it goes in the bloodstream. So I preach on gut health and getting your gut back to, um, you know, optimal health because your gut essentially is your second brain. And so there are a lot of different supplements out there to help with gut health. And like I said, your naturopath or your holistic um, coach will know um, how to help your gut health. But that was a huge thing for me as well. And then um, I always tell people, you know, not a lot of people want to do it, but the emotional work is huge. And a lot of people are going to say, how is emotional work going to help me feel better for mold? Well, what happens when we get sick from this mold is our limbic system goes into overdrive. And so we're constantly in fight or flight. And if we don't get our body into parasympathetic system and not sympathetic, it's going to be hard for our body to heal to process things, and for our nervous system to get back into balance. So, you know, different emotional work as I offer Reiki. So that can help um, emotion code, MBSR, DNRS. That's pretty much neural retraining. So you're retraining your brain because what happens when you go through something like this is a lot of people end up going to 10 different places and they're still sick. And the reason is, is your body constantly in your brain thinks everything is a threat. So that emotional and limbic system work is huge for someone with mold as well to calm that nervous system that has been in fight or flight for so long. Hmm. Well, that was an epic list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think you covered everything. <laughs> I know. I could go on and on, but those are just like, and I always tell people, go back to the basics. Like I said, you know, 
sweat. Make sure you're moving your bowels. Make sure you're working on your brain and your limbic system. And then, you know, of course, everyone's different. So your naturopath will give you different supplements for different things. Mm-hmm. Yes. But don't forget the basics. Like you said, it's not just the supplements. It's also, are you pooping? Are you sweating? Mm-hmm. Are you moving? <laughs> yep. The basics. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'm constipated. I'm like, okay, well, no wonder you don't feel good. You're not getting out those toxins yeah. every single day. Yeah. I know. And yet no one talks about it. I can't believe how often I see a new person and yeah, they're like, I poop twice a week. And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. We need like, to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, this has been so fascinating. I am totally going to order this. Um, you said ERMI, right? E-R-M-I yes. test. Yeah. I'm super intrigued. I live in a, a really old house. Well, it's, it's probably like 90 years old. So I'm like, uh, <laughs> I can only imagine. But you've kind of given me some reassurance knowing that Sometimes older houses can be better. Yeah. And just, you know, if you're not reacting and if your health is in great shape, like I don't want people listening to this and freaking out because, you know, a little bit of mold and someone's not reacting, don't mess with it. Like, of course, you don't want to live in it. If you're having any health issues, yeah, you don't want to live in it. But some people's bodies can handle it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it'll be interesting to see at the very least. Well, no, where like, can great. everyone continue to learn from you? I know. <laughs> um, yeah, where can people find you on TikTok and Instagram where you share so much good information on mold and Lyme and Epstein-Barr and pretty much everything? Yeah, so um, I actually, my TikTok is solely health. And so I know she'll link it below because it might be hard to find, but so I'm on TikTok. My username is solely health. And then I'm also on Instagram, kind of just started a couple months ago, but my Instagram name is solely healing. And then um, all my, what my website and all my links are linked in my bio in there. Um, and then I also have a YouTube as well, um, solely health. And so that is, well, she'll link that below for you guys as well. But yeah, I'm mostly active on TikTok. And I know that's how you found me. So it's super fun, you know, making these little videos. Totally. When you're so good at it. Yeah. I remember one day you just came up on my feed randomly and I was like, I adore her. Who is she? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's, it was, it's fun. And it's also, it's very sad because I have a lot of people that comment, you know, oh my gosh, I think this is what's wrong with me. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. this is the reason why you know, I do what I do and I want to help people and give them hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you're doing it. So thank you so much, Sydney, for being here on the podcast. And everything we've talked about is linked below. And if you loved this episode or if it's connected some dots for you and your healing journey, be sure to tag Sydney and I on Instagram and let us know what your biggest takeaway was. All right, friends, we will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>